Welcome. Welcome. Hello. 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 It is another episode of Always Strikes Last. I had something better for that, and it just didn't get to me in time. It's it's Always Strikes Last. That's what I mean, we're doing. I mean, we're yeah. striking last with that one as well. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Striking last, but not striking out. Still connected. That's there we right. go. <laughs> um, as always, I'm Miles, and I'm joined by my hosts, Matt and Jack. And today we've got... Uh, a special guest for you, uh, Mick Wendell, who is uh, co-owner of the uh, Underworld Gaming Shop in the Dublin area here in Ireland. And he uh, recently played for Team Ireland in Six Nations. Welcome. Welcome, Mick. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks absolutely. for coming. So, um, so yeah. So uh, for people in the U.S., I think most of our listenership is in the U.S., Six Nations is a tournament between six uh nations presumably that's right that's right yeah nailed it all right i did all my homework before this episode we are the best in preparation (laughs) it's really five and a half but you're rounding up right i see i see uh (laughs) yeah we have uh england scotland wales then northern ireland ireland and uh norway or Finland or Switzerland. I'm actually not sure because I think it's changed over the years. Okay. Um, there's the one, Switzerland. There's I, the one I, that's I, being rounded up. See? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I always call it Scandinavia because I'm not sure. My geography is terrible. Um, Fair enough. You so, can't go wrong with that one, though. So, yeah. <laughs> so, basically, basically, a team of Vikings. Nice. Well, that's scary enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, how'd it go? Tell us about it. Um, well, we didn't come last this year. That was good. That was our, hey, that was our goal. If you're our not goal last, was, you're not last. Yeah, we, we, we came out of COVID doing pretty poor because uh, well, like we just didn't play any games. Like Our entire team, I think, had a grand total of maybe five games in two years. So we were, or however, long, yeah, however long we were in lockdown before the previous Six Nations. So we really came into, uh, I think it was 2021 Six Nations, feeling the skill gap. Um, it was huge. We were just completely outclassed. So our, our goal this year was just to, you know, not be that bad again. And um, we we managed to, we managed to come fifth instead of sixth, which was which was a win. You know, not coming last is always good. Um, right, there we go. But generally, generally, just had it was it was a it was a really um, really good five rounds of games for all of us. Um, uh, yeah. So what what did you play? What was your what was the army of choice? I was playing. I was playing something fluffy, daughters of Cain. Oh, narrative. So, yeah, no, I was all about the narrative. Um, it was Marathian Kronspine. Uh, there's something to do with her having a pet Kronspine. That was my narrative. Uh, nobody, nobody can hear this, but I've died a little. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Now I didn't actually take Kronspine to Six Nations. I was playing. I think I had about twenty or thirty games of Kronspine and Marathi under my belt, and then the fact dropped. And it's not that it wasn't playable because there was another Marathi um, Kronspine list at Six Nations on Team England and that went 5-0. and oh. So it's still a good list. But you know when you just don't feel a list and it's just like, you, you you write it and you're like, okay, that's there, but I don't like it anymore. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it just, it wasn't there for me. So I just, I dropped it. I took something a little bit more MSU um, style, a couple of units of Canary, um, two tens of, of each of the snakes so like 10 combat snakes 10 bow snakes mm, yeah. um, and then I had a hag with a hearty fury just to kind of counteract all the bounty hunters around because my snakes really don't like bounty hunters 
Mm. Um, so uh, no, it was a good, 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 good weekend in all. Um, I absolutely threw away two games, which I was raging about. Um, <laughs> oh, that's the worst. That's the worst yeah, feeling. I like, like I lost one pretty decisively. Um, it was just you know GG, but I threw away. I like I literally, I my opponent won because I lost. <laughs> Yep. I can sympathize yeah. with that moment. Been there. <laughs> yeah. Not to take it away from Been my opponents. Um, not to take it away from my opponents. I, I, I remember I, I doubled one of the lads into from two to three, and even the his 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 colleagues on either side of him, his teammates either side of him, were like, "Yep, that's GG." And then at the end of the game, I'd lost. I got greedy and tried to split attacks between the slan and some skink priests. And uh, the splitting your attacks, it uh, always works. Every single oh, time. <laughs> yeah, so, you get just so the dice you need. Zero percent so, of the time, every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was it was good because like I, you get a mixture of um depending on who what like so I suppose I'll jump into like the kind of the thought process behind team building for the um or team composition for the event. Mm-hmm. So you kind of aim to have a uh, like I well, we kind of aimed to have maybe two armies that we try and get them good matchups all the time. So they're the kind of smash armies that you want to put down. You're like, these have so many good matchups. We don't want to give them a bad matchup because it's kind of a waste. So you just try and always have two of those. So I was actually one of them with daughters because we had a lot of good matchups with them. So the guys were trying to get me, I wasn't involved with the pairings now. So the guys were, were trying to get me good matchups all weekend. So I think I got four out of six good matchups. And I think I won my two bad matchups, which was a... Uh, <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that that that's how that's how it rolls. But, yeah, um, oh yeah. Then then you kind of aim for like a couple a, a couple of armies that you can kind of that are quite tanky or quite like all comers that or not even all comers but something that can take a bit of a slap. Um, and you might be able to fight for some points. Now the po- the scoring system didn't really favor this tactic at this event. So like, what we used to do at the at the old fantasy uh, team tournaments was. It'll be a scoring system and both players start on 10 points each and mm-hmm. basically how much you kill and banners you capture and all that sort of stuff would um, teeter it towards 20 nil. So you go, if, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm up by 250 points, I'd be 11-9 up. So it's not just that I win, I win the whole game. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so what, and the purpose of that is if you're going into a bad matchup, you don't just throw the towel in. You don't just go for the Hail Mary pass. You don't just go for the double. You try and pull, you know, pull some points out of the game. Right, to make it close. Yeah, exactly. Now, the only problem with this scoring system is that it starts off at 15-5 if you win. So you're fighting for very few points, mm. which is which is an awful pity. So um, people were still getting like three or four points in, in matchups they were losing, but, you know, they were still playing right until the end to get any points. I remember... Mm. In one round, we were basically just saying, right, guys, all that matters here is pulling as many points in as possible because that's like it, it doesn't matter if we win or lose. We just need to score more points than another team. That was essentially our last round. So, okay. So, uh, so you're, you're playing these matchups, and uh, it sounds like I've never played in a team uh, event before. So, it sounds like there is a captain of Schultz who is trying to negotiate your, your matchups for the round. Sort of. You have a pairings process. So um, once you've got your team, you've got your eight team members, and then you you have your nominated uh, two people to do matchups. And how that works is essentially both players put down an army face down, and then you flip them over, and then each team will take that and decide 
to put two other armies against the one that their opponents put down. Okay. So then you will then flip over the two armies that your opponents have put down to fight the army that you put down, and you will mm-hmm. choose the matchup. Interesting. So it's it's. I'll say it again because it isn't very uh, straightforward, and people always get confused with this. So yeah, yeah. Essentially, I put one down. My opponent puts one down. We flip them over. Then my opponent puts two down on top of the one that I put down, and I put two down on top of the one that they that they put down, and then. Each team that put down the one gets to choose which one of the two they fight. So you get a bit of a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also you could see what happens there is you, you're you're generally trying to put down something that has maybe a lot of good matchups or maybe a lot of bad matchups in in that scenario. And you're gonna the, the idea there is that rather than trying to get a really good matchup for each single pairing, you're also considering. Well, if I if I take this bad matchup, does that make the rest of our pairings process a little bit better? So like yeah, you know, sure. taking, taking the Seraphon player out, taking the Daughters of Cain player out, or taking the save stacking slaves to darkness player out, because nobody wants to play that. Do you know what I mean? That that makes sure. perfect sense. I, yeah, I, yeah. I experienced this directly, but I also was confused by how it worked. I just gotta let them steer the ship and fight whatever they pointed me at. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is confusing sometimes. Um you have to do it a few times just to kind of get the hang of it. But um, yeah, so that and 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 that kind of also um helps you uh, to not helps you. Sorry, that also changes the meta a little bit. So you're not ju- you're not going to see the same lists from a singles event at a teams event because people can go a little bit more um uh, narrow with 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 a list. They can decide right, I'm going to build this list to do this thing. It's really bad against these these thirty percent of armies, but I can just avoid those matchups. Hopefully, sure. Or strategically take them because it's it's better for the team. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. just go down basically as as we call it, uh, going under the bus. You know. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that. I've spent many a time under the bus. <laughs> yeah. I just make those lists anyways and just lose it no matter what. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. So you do you do see very interesting lists at team tournaments because you wouldn't normally see them at singles because if you don't build a singles list that can deal with a lot of scenarios then you can end up losing a turn a game just because of the mission or just because of the um your opponent had loads of monsters or wh- whatever whatever the reason being so singles list you're looking at building all comers things you include things in your army where they're good in every game they're good in every scenario they're good against every opponent or at least you minimize what they're bad against whereas mm-hmm. in team events you can say I'm going to be bad in this mission, and I'm going to be bad against these these things because I I can avoid nice. them. Oh, so, it's the KO player's dream. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think I think there was a KO player on every team. Yeah, that checks out. Um, it's yeah, it's exactly, exactly <laughs> that. Like, um, Sylvaneth as well. Sylvaneth are a great team army. I wouldn't consider mm-hmm. them a great singles army. Those hard sure, matchups makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. So. It makes it quite difficult. So if you can avoid the matchups, then you can you can play things that you wouldn't normally play. Um, so yeah, so that's that, that that that's kind of the the pairings process. Your your team build up, as I said, you'll you'll always try and have a couple of um, you know it's kind of like a sword and shield style thing. You'll have a couple of armies which are swords, a couple of armies which are shields, and then maybe a few hybrids in the middle. Um, or you might just go four swords and four shields, or you might go eight swords. <laughs> you know, whatever sure. whatever your whatever your um uh 
direction with the team is. There we go. Seven swords and spider goblins. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good so, to me. Yeah. So just it spices things up a little bit. And um, it's definitely the most intense Warhammer I've ever played. Oh, I'm sure. Because uh, every uh, every moment of it is uh, fraught with uh, choice and yep. uh, decision paralysis and, um, yeah, strategy. And it's, it's, it's a very high caliber of playing. So, like, you're not, like, you, you, you absolutely, you know, cannot do any take backs, for example. You absolutely, if you make mm-hmm. mistakes, you get punished. That, that's just it. It's not your your um you know mid table games with your with, with with your at your local tournament it's it's really like you know this you have to be the be the best and it's not about that your opponent won't give you a take because a lot of a lot of the time the opponents at six nations are very pleasant they're not they're not sitting there you know telling you no and they're not sitting there saying gotcha but it's kind of bad for them to ask at such a high level event sure so you just, you just don't do it you have to hold yourself to a higher standard like you should hold yourself to a high standard of tournaments anyway but I think specifically sure, yeah, yeah. like the Six Nations and Worlds, um, those two particular events, um, you're you're because you're dealing with literally the best players of each country, uh, so it's uh, it's 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 quite uh, it's quite intense. But like, they're some of the best games I've ever played. And, See, that makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah, nice. of course it's a little tricky. It's sort of like uh, I mean, of course you have to rise to that standard when it's sort of international ambassadorial stage, making sure that you're not sort of playing too loose a game but where does that line really get drawn you know it's like did you take your hand off the chess piece level sort of oopsies or is it more like just you know clearly forecasting your intent to follow order of operations i mean where do you sort of uh find that particular level to be there that the six nations make uh well the, the first thing is and this goes i suppose for all of my games regardless of casual pickup games or tournaments whatever is the 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 conversation at the start of the game okay so I'll generally always say to my opponents a few things, one of them being, if it's not flat on the mat, it's cocked. So if it rolls flat on scenery or a model's base, just re-roll it because just that black and white approach is just so much easier. Sure. Um, nothing yeah. more infuriating than when your opponent rolls a one, but it's on the scenery and then he re-rolls yeah. it into a six. I'm you also know. willing to let anybody re-roll a die that like fell out of their hands and they were getting their dice all together. Oh, like, they're dead dice. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fall, fallen dice are dead dice. That, that That's just a, that's just a yeah. given. But um, yeah, the usual is, is if it's not flat on the mat, and I'll usually always say to my opponent, listen, let's just play by intent. Because um, I, I will generally tell my opponent everything that I'm planning on doing. Uh, I'll move them and say, I have moved this into within X range of this model, or I'm just within six inches of this objective, or, you know, whatever. Because you know what? We're humans, and we knock things constantly. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you... And, and the, the other thing as well is if, if I'm moving towards something and I might say to him, I'm staying outside of nine inches because I don't want you to redeploy, okay? Mm-hmm. Because if he decides to redeploy, that's it. I can't do anything about that. I've seen people who kind of take back and go, oh, no, I don't want you to redeploy, so I'm going to stay outside of nine. That's tough. You've now gained knowledge that I want to redeploy, so you can't change your mind. Yeah, so yeah. that's a really important one for me is the, you know, making sure people know exactly what my intentions are so that they're aware and they can react. And I'll always like, you know, it's, it's, and it's the same thing, you know, if there's reactions that can be made, again, I always say to my opponent, I'm going to offer you the chance to do it. I'm not going to wait for you to, to pipe up because you need yeah. to know when I'm finished. No, so, it's but, like that. Yeah. Uh, do you guys ever play Magic the Gathering on like on, online? Oh, mm-hmm. never so that's online. a game. Never, never online. Never online. Uh, right. That's a game that's full of reactions. And I find 
they're they, you know they have to build those in the UI, and because for exactly the reason that you said, right, you can't just wait for someone to pipe up with a reaction. You need to offer them the opportunity, and so there's all of these little like three to ten second timers built into the game mm-hmm. that are absolutely maddening to me um, when I'm trying to play online, but is incredibly important for exactly that reason. Yep. Yep. So I do have to ask, um, and this is something I run into every once in a while um, because there's uh, in there are players that play by intent um, and they state what they're going to do, uh, but then they follow through with it and actually measure after they've done it. Um, I've seen a lot of players play by intent and not actually go through and measure through. And I think maybe this is just myself uh, finding one thing to be like overly obsessed about. Um, But in a game of measuring distance and movement, um, especially with piling, I found a lot of problems actually happen with that intent. Oh, it was my intent to do this. Oh, it was my intent to do that. But when the models aren't actually moved to that nth degree, um, then pile in problems happen where somebody say, oh, no, it was my intent. Oh, sorry, you can't actually get those on there because, um, you know, I didn't move this model to where it needed to be to keep you off of the actual objective. It was just my intent. Now, do you find that you're yourself and your opponents at that level are actually moving the models out there? Because I've seen this all the way up the level. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Of people not doing that, but saying yeah, it's no, their I, intent. I, I've experienced that uh, both myself and with teammates in that, um, like, I don't, I, if I'm, I will move something to the right point and then I will state my intent. That That's my point. Like, because mm-hmm. my point mm-hmm. is not that I'm going to be sloppy with my movement and then I'm going to say, but I want to do this. So 99% of the time, it'll be a case of, and I'll get to the other 1% in a second. But um, 99% of the time, I'll move it exactly how I want to move it, state what I've done, and, what, and you know the ranges or whatever. The reason I do it is because of knocking, not because of sloppy movement and this. So it's that, sure. that's literally the reason, because literally just knocking, sliding, if my opponent reaches across the table or if a tape measure comes back suddenly or whatever happens, you know what I mean? So it's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's that. Uh, that's that's my my reasoning for it. The one percent of the time where I might be a bit sloppy is when we're at the end of the game, and because we're using chess clocks at the moment, my, I'll agree with my opponent. Let's just fire this in the next ten minutes and yep. see what happens, and we'll just throw that. Like it, that. That's a dip. But that's again, it's a it's an agreement with your opponent with your opponent about that. You know, sure. like I'll say to them, listen, just move it. I know they're going to be in. There's no issue there. Just throw them in a pile and like nearby. We know like. There's, there's going to be no subsequent turns, but when the subsequent turns and when there's other consequences, you have like you do have to move them properly. Like I, I won't accept that if my opponent says they're meant to be like that, and it turns out they're like miles out. Yep. Then I yeah. like that. Like come yeah, on, yeah. Just, just be a little bit courteous because it's I've I've actually experienced that more in 40k than I have in Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big sure. problem in 40k, but I've seen it all up and down, uh, up and down pretty much any system where you have to measure, right? Um, it comes yeah. down to how much is how much time do you have and how much are you going to prioritize things? I feel like a lot of those things come down to, uh, you know, moving a model and wanting two things, right? So, like, you'll want to charge into range with some of some model, right? And you want to not be in range of some other model, right? So you're trying to get two things. Mm-hmm. And I will frequently say, I'll move it to where I want to. I'll try and get it to, you know, what I think might be you know, get me both things and then say, Hey, my intention is to be in combat with this model. I've tried to make it so that I'm three inches away. Um, but if I'm not, I'd rather stay, I'd rather be in combat than three inches away. Yep. 
and and that comes down to like the games being a conversation. So I think that's fair. I I definitely ascribed that way of thinking and really, you know, the, the ethos of move your model accurately to the best of your ability and then yeah, stay yeah. your intention. It's not like, you know, have it be four inches off or something like that. I mean, I was just doing this the other weekend. It was like, I wanted my, you know, uh, iron guts to be 2.25 inches behind the, <laughs> you know, the, uh, yeah, the novel front line. Right. But, you know, not 2.7, not 1.9. And so a little knock is what I'm protecting against. So we can call back to that if needed be, but I don't want them to be like, you know, awry from what the, the physical proximity really should be by too much. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. And that would be very much a, like I, I moved my model and I didn't state the intent against the Seraphon player that I was playing. And mm-hmm. my intent was internal, not I didn't mention it. So my intent was to, because I had the movement, was I'm going to be within three inches of both of these units. And it was with it was with a, a, a charging unit, whatever, whatever unit it was. Mm-hmm. And essentially to get my battle, to get my grand strat, I needed to make this charge. Of course, I rolled a double one. Okay, well, that's how it goes. It has to go that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And I had, a, I had, yeah, I had a plus one to my charge, and I was like, "Oh, I'm in because I'm three inches away." And then my opponent measured because I, I didn't move. I was like, "Do you want to see?" It? I basically offered, "Do you want to check that's three inches?" I was three point eight or inches away or something like that. And it was my own stupidity, and I just accepted it because I didn't say it. I didn't state I'm going to move them within three inches or three inches away. And that was that was just my tough shit, you know. Um, I you, you have to just accept when you've made yeah, a mistake. Yeah. That's yeah, the point absolutely. of the game, you know. So, so if you make mistakes, that that's the reason why the other players beat you because you've made mistakes and they haven't, or they've made less mistakes than you. So that's part yep. of the game. So take backs, I think. Absolutely. Of, yeah, absolutely not. You know. So Mick, uh, what was uh, just to just to uh, sum up the event? What was your favorite match of the weekend? Oh. Favorite match of the weekend. Um, I had a really good matchup against the um, I'm gonna say Swedish player because I'm pretty sure it's the Swedish colors on the on the jersey. Okay. Um, we had a we had a great matchup. Uh, I'm just trying to remember. Now I'm fried because I've only had two hours sleep with with the child. Um, it was my first game, I think, if I remember correctly, and that was a lot of fun. It was very very kind of like tooth and nail, mm-hmm. and. The start of that game, uh, it was he was playing Legion of the First Prince or Slaves of the Darkness because he had Bellacore, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um, but at the start of that game, I made a huge mistake, which essentially, uh, because I kind of keep track of the things that would have affected that in my head, um, mm-hmm. essentially the mistake I made cost me my chance at winning the game. Not cost me the game, but cost me the chance at winning. Because Ooh. I'm not going to say by doing that I would have won the game. What I'm saying sure, is yeah. if I had done that, I would have been in with a much better chance to win the game. So basically, um, he, I, I, I basically forgot to cast Heart Fury on turn one. And as a result, some Bounty Hunter unit came in and murdered some snakes. And uh, he was also able to drop Bellacore into a little hole that I left, which I wouldn't mm-hmm. have left if, if, if the Heart of Fury was there. And that single thing, not casting Heart of Fury, um, was literally the thing that cost me my chance at, at a shot at the game. So, uh, but it was a really good game because it literally was like five full turns of slaughter, five full turns of me trying to kind of pull it back and really like play against um, a very good uh, player. Sometimes, sometimes those are the best where you're just like clawing yeah. the entire time. Yeah, like they were all like it was five great games, and that's why it's quite hard to to decide which 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 one is the best. But I just remember that particular game 
um, was just five turns, like the Seraphon game as well. And, and I lost, I lost both of these games, and yet they're probably two of my favorite ones. But um, the the Seraphon game again was just a really good game. My, my opponent was just a, a really solid player, um, and we just had, yeah, it was just really good games. Like everyone was a solid player, but just that that oh, yeah, no. game was was a was a standout for me. Um, and I think uh, I saw, yeah, I got his jersey actually. We swapped jerseys on this on the Sunday. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> got the shirt off his back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love those clawback games because those are always the one where your opponent, like, not always, but every once in a while, you'll get a couple of those games where, like, your opponent's like, yeah, I've got this in the bag. And then you just start pulling back and pulling back. Yeah. And you get to watch that fun little concern on their face grow a little bit more. And, yep. you know, that's like when you're like, oh, vector. maybe yep. I'm a sadist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Consider I just called this sweet nectar and generally play hidden nights. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose so Jack, just to mention, or, so just just uh, I suppose just to not to take too much time on the um, mm-hmm. six days. The other thing to mention about team events is we do have a. There is another member of the team which is not a player actually, and it can be up to two players usually. Um, is we usually have a, we had a coach this year. We haven't had one before because we didn't have the team. But basically, what the coach does is help us with the matchups and does all the admin in between during the round and in between rounds. And we'll kind of go across every 20 minutes periodically and ask the players, how are we getting on? You know, just, just to get a gauge of what's going on, because mm-hmm. what the coach can do then is call timeouts once per, once per game, each round, he can call a timeout, a three minute timeout with the player. And if he's going to lose, but we're already losing across the board, let's say we need one win just to kind of to win the round. You might say, if there's any chance of winning, don't worry about clawing one or two points. Try and get the win. So you might he might push a player to go get the Hail Mary pass because we're kind of like, we might be 4-3 down. And if if he if he loses this one, we'll be 5-3. But if he's able to pull it back... Then, you, the then you're 4-4, four four, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. So, and that's and that's quite big. So um, the, the coach is an interesting role. Uh, we had our first coach this year and sometimes the, the captain can be non-playing as well. Um, so you might have between eight and 11 players on it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's very cool. I love that. Uh, so it definitely really brings the team mentality uh, into what is otherwise a very solo sport. Sport. Indeed. That's very yeah. generous of me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Sport>. <laughs> um, but uh, pivoting a minute, um, let's uh, hear, Jack, you went to um, Everwinter. Uh, this weekend indeed. in Boston, how did that go? It went really well. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, uh, I, I didn't cover myself in you know an incredible amount of glory, some glory, but uh, it was really great to get out there. A modicum you know, of glory. A modicum of glory. Had a lot of fun. Got to catch up with some folks I hadn't seen in a while. You know, got to you know have some good games, get some great opponents. You know, five out of five opponents, great to play against. So you know, wouldn't change anything about that. Um, it was simultaneously a bit of a uh, knocking the rust stuff journey for me, I'd say, because I really hadn't done any tournaments at all with the new GHB. Uh, so it was like, oh yeah, here are the tricks. You know, learned one game at a time. <laughs> you know, to say yeah, nothing. here, here are the tricks, and here's a whole slew of rules that nobody uses. It's it's so true. Uh, a couple of things before I get into some of the nitty gritty details that were you know fun things to just kind of reacquaint myself with. There was how models can count as a lot of things, you know, when they're expert conquerors and you just kind of had that mental register of like, oh yeah, I got this one. There are one or two, 
but they're really six because of the two bases or whatnot. And uh, that came up a couple of times where I had to kind of reorient my thinking. And then uh, the proving grounds is very interesting because when that's in full play, right, you have to really start thinking about when you take control of an objective, right? Because it's always end of turn. And if you just can't touch it, you know, with whatever you have there, it can sort of stay in enemy hands a bit longer if that's to use cannily, which would come up for me because ogres like to, you know, double turn and maintain priority, <laughs> you know, throughout, yep, the, sure. uh, throughout the fighting after that first round, uh, which sort of brings me to, you know, my attempt to find thematic immortality, which I mentioned a bit in our last uh, podcast, but uh, this particular event, 100 player event, you know, solo five round GT, uh, there were 11 ogre players and there was one Thunder Tusk, which I brought. Because it's the Everwinter. <laughs> For nice. almost no better reason. I will uh, play. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take that one as, a, as some sort of special internal prize. But <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> a lot of fun to, to try to pilot that thing. And I did get to live the dream a couple of times. Because the list I'd brought, uh, to kind of call back to last uh, last mm-hmm. episode, was primarily based around uh, you know getting four uh, mortal wound charges off of Ogor units. So, you know, I had a couple units of Iron Fists, you know, I had like one sort of a uh, Frost Lord to romp around, you know, I had a Tyrant with a, you know, Brawler Guts, I had some Malblires and such, really only one Iron Blaster, you know, not like a lot of, you know, the specifically called out great stuff right now. And I was using it to kind of get people in combat on my terms and kill it with Mortal Wounds and I couldn't win it outright. Uh, and it was honestly a lot of fun. Uh, ended up playing Night Haunt a couple times, you know. One time, uh, it was a pretty close game against uh, Nate Trentinelli, uh, really good guy. Uh, I was my first game, so I kind of like uh, was remembering a few things. And I made a couple of key errors, but you know, went well. He ended up beating me. Moved on to the second game. Second game was a good, probably the one I had dreamed of in my head with this list, where I was playing against uh, a guy with some blood tooths, you know, for the Oryx. So a lot of oh, piggies. Nice. And a mock crusher, a lot of like uh, people chanting in the background. And first turn, given the first Beans. turn, he charged right up against the Noblar screen um, and was summarily executed uh, with a unit of six piggies by some iron guts. And then I nice. just had a great old time with the next two turns. I got a double, I made a bunch of charges, mortal wounds were head. Uh, by the bottom of turn two, the entire rest of the board was cleared. So nice. Sort of Max pointed that and, and moved it, on. It feels bad to cheer against the orc player, but you know, I think I think he did a good job. Thank you, thank you. It just <laughs> it, the whole time. Player. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, when destruction fights destruction, no one wins. I mean, we have to come oh, up from everybody this. wins. Yeah, I was about to say everybody wins in a destruction arm. That's just double the destruction. Well, we did get to fight, and everyone was happy. So I guess it yeah. is a win-win in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Those orcs died doing what they loved. That's right. You can't fault them for it. Exactly. Jack, are you having a lot of fun with the cowitzer? Oh, the the what now, Mick? The the cowitzer. It's the uh, it's the it's the name that one of my one one of our local lads has given to the Frost Lord on Stonehorn with the unstoppable oh, charge. I I love it. Yeah, he's he's my absolute favorite. We had a couple of nicknames for that, you know, in the in the tournament. Oh, one was Bamaland. There was another ogre player from Maine who would just say that every time <laughs> he get that monstrous action off and he'd just do some ridiculousness. Um, yeah. And I would just call it the romp around. Like I just imagine like a giant puppy playing with the rest of the army, <laughs> you know, like leaping I really about. When, I got really excited when someone called it the Cowitzer. Um, yeah, actually, that's that's great. Cowitzer is precious. The awesome. TO of the Exploding Dice tournament I was out there a couple of weeks ago 
uh, Pete Pratt. He's the one that came up with it in the chat, and I was just like, "That's it. That's his name forever now." There you I go. Gotta, I got to steal that now because that is perfect. There, there were definitely yeah. a couple times where you know I would get the strategically expected. I, I would think well healed usage of like a seven or an eight or nine or a 10 inch, you know, wrap around and I'd get ready to go. But there were a couple of times I got a 17 and it was just like, Oh, bananas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the, the amount of unpredictability that puts into ogres now is just insane. Cause they're not, they're not really, they're not an unpredictable army, right? By like definition, you know what they're going to do. They're going to throw vultures at you. They're going to hit you with something. Now they're going to like, if, Somebody is going to bring a thunder tusk. They're going to, somebody's going to fight last, right? Mm-hmm. You can screen them out. You know, you're going to take mortal wounds on the charge. But the fact that they can just move over now and just say, okay, yeah, yeah I'm going to kill that character that's buffing your, uh, your uh, chaff here. Well, it's it's so thing. amazing. It provides yeah. an unpredictable like just level of uh, attack. And, and, and you know, it, it's not like a precision, like kind of squishy duelist character somehow getting back there. It's the cowitzer. It's literally 18 <laughs> tons of muscle and frozen teeth or whatever yeah. horns. Yeah, it whatever has, those things know, are made of. Yeah. Like right <laughs> back there. Everyone knows that you, you always like put your, your tasty stuff at the back of the board or like protected by your screens. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you've got a 14 inch, potentially 17 inch moving stone horn crashing into the front lines and then jumping over in 3d6. So you've got two options. Either you don't put your screens within charge distance of them turn one, which means you're backlining your army or hoping that you outdrop them so that you can, you know, strategically position the rest of your army or mm-hmm. you put them forward, but you have to put like ranks of dudes behind them. So he has nowhere to land. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. When you're rolling 3d6, averaging 10, 11 on dice, but like I've spiked I, I in two turns, in two consecutive turns, I rolled a 14 and a 16. Um I remember charging into the like the bottom right hand corner of the of the um of the board, the middle of the board. He was a character on an objective, murdered that character with mortal mortal wounds, and then yeeted 16 inches across the board into a into a combat with horrors. And then next turn, because he pulled me out of combat, I charged, and then another 14 inches over the entire combat into a character that was going to summon next turn and murdered him too. But I traveled from one side of the board to the other with yep. two charges. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. And Mick, you have to answer <laughs> this question on that. If you were to rate how fun that is from a zero to 10, is it a 10 or an 11? <laughs> oh, it literally turned up to 11. It is the best, is the best shit ever because I've, I've been sick of all the other army. Like I've been playing Daughters of Cain, so I'm not going to, you know, lie about, you know, jumping on something that wins for a while. But... I've been sick of everyone else having the tricks and the stuff that makes their armies go boom. Seraphon being a big one, like even having Marathi unkillable, like having the unstoppable charge to charge Marathi, do three mortal wounds for her, and then yeet into some snakes. Yeah. Has been fantastic. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> you almost kind of need to bring one of those. I mean, it just because it's so much utility and so much fun. Uh, I was definitely happy well, I had him on hand. <laughs> And it's not like you weren't going to bring a stone, like a, a stone horn anyway, right? So it's like it's hardly attacks. Yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> it, just, it just opens up a lot of options, right? It's like you know, other other versions of foot ogres have a lot of shooting. It's like you know, someone screens you a little bit right, you're done. <laughs> you know, depending yeah. on what they have in their no, army, exactly. this stops that from being you know quite so much a final sentence. Because you, know, you know, I did find, and this is sort of an interesting theme of, of my progression, is I had 
a lot of fun setting up screens and protecting my units with the knob wires and all that. But I didn't have quite enough shooting to really force them to come to me. So definitely times it was like, all right, little little goblin men, get out of the way. The, the adults have to go to the fighting now because they weren't <laughs> taking the bait. And it was fine, but uh, I, I can definitely see how the synergy of making them need to get to you because of like four iron blasters is so devastating versus the sort of semi-optional version when you're when you're a bit fightier. Uh, like the the opponent I had on third round is a great guy playing Stormcast, and he perhaps unwisely I'm not sure how exact would have worked out, but was trying to translocate a unit of two dragons right in front of the army. Oh, uh, like you do, yeah, yeah. Which I I was actually sort of positively hoping for. I mean, he got the double one and he didn't do it, and so then it was sort of like the whole army was in the backfield, and I quickly had to sort of move up. <laughs> You know, there was no other option because he had six long strikes and some other things. Uh, and uh, it, it was that feeling of, all right, well, I got to get to you now. <laughs> you know, this is not going to go the other way. <laughs> of course, there was a happy ending to that story because the, uh, what do we call it, Mick? The Cowitzer, the Cowitzer did its thing, managed to do a charge into a unit and then romp around over the long strikes and kill them all. No, uh, <laughs> no stand and shoot there Beautiful. because of the shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is some like uh, I feel like it's the new uh, Fasten uh, Mock ma- Russia. Yeah, right? yeah, it, yeah, in a way. Like just well, the extra movement, and it just instills this like primal terror in all of these sort of more more like armies that rely on precious little heroes in the back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or or just Death Star units. You know, Death Star units sure. that need a turn or two to kind of like really just like spool up right yeah yeah and uh so nice plus there's a lot of just really weird utility you can do with that thing it's very good it's it's gonna i'd say it's gonna be in every like competitive ogre ogre army because it's just it as you said it's utility um being able to it, it forces people's deployments to be different you can't just deploy normal as i said a minute ago you can't just screen at the front anymore and just go, ha, you can't have your 450-point model jump over. Now I can. So you have to be so careful there. Like, I think I, my opponent left a Gotrek in the middle of the board because he was like, come fight me. And I was like, all right, charge, and then launch over and charge into the Sylvaneth army behind him. Love and, it. you know, killed, killed, a bunch, killed a bunch of bugs and stuff like that. But he made the mistake of putting Gotrek within charge distance and then... I 3d6 into, I had a choice of bugs or the um, Sylvanet, the hunters. So I went for the bugs, the squishier target. But, um, you know, those things you can't do anymore. Like I put, I always put Marathi and Kranzbein in the front lines when I was doing it, literally so far forward that you couldn't miss them. But I won't do that against the Frostlord because he'll just go right, hit Marathi, and then I'll over unstoppable charge into whatever's behind her because usually it's one of the unit's snakes. It's, it's, it's so true. It's yeah. like it's so, almost like that unit up front becomes like that handhold for their acrobatics to their parkour yep. to get to the rest of the yep. stuff. <laughs> the springboard. Yeah. I just so. love the the idea of the narrative moment in that where like this unit, whatever it is, maybe it's Marathi, maybe it's Gotrek, maybe it's just some Noblars, and they're like expecting the charge and they're like, ah, hold, right? And then and the the um <laughs> the Frost Lord just comes tunneling like barreling past like okay is he gone like <laughs> <laughs> I, I i just have such a mental image of 
when you get that 15 or 16 or 17 inch rump around, you know, Cowitzer moment of like a hunter or someone else, like really grizzled from the ogre army, just like reaching into his big cloak and pulling out like this giant femur sized bone and just tossing it deep in the enemy army. And like the, <laughs> the eyes of the thunder test, just fixating on it. Then it's go time. <laughs> See, it's, it's funny. Cause I had the, um, the idea of just like a bouncing ball, right? Like, but you know, ogres are much more serious, but I, I could imagine when you roll that 17, it's the stone horn tripping and just like rolling head over a foot. And that's uh, why it has to fly. Back. Right. So it just bounces over. I, oh, I'm painting far too many squigs right now. Yeah. So you know where my mind's at. To totally yeah. fair. Well, <laughs> I, I won't leave you guys in too much suspense over the rest of the tournament. The rest was a lot of fun. Uh, it didn't end up you getting too great uh, result. I think it was like a two, three, probably should have been a three, two, but for some dumb mistakes I made at the end, uh, you know, and it was, it was a great old time. Uh, I was thinking about it when you were mentioning mix some of your experiences, but I definitely had one of those moments where I was thinking of something and, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I was telling myself as I was about to make an action, don't do this thing. This is the bad idea. <laughs> and, you know, I, I did that thing and it ended up costing me the game, a pretty decisively with a six point swing without much oh. else so I just could have impacted it because it was a, uh, you know, the difference between my grand strategy being made and their grand strategy being made. And it was, you know, right, just Oof. that. <laughs> Rip. Yep. And as a good remi reminder to don't do those things. <laughs> Absolutely. I will say, oh, there's a, there's an unsung hero in the ogre book, which I, I don't know if it's, it's never going to show like as, as much as the frost Lord or four iron blasters, but the Blood Pelt Hunter is an absolutely fantastic unit. Oh, I, I had one unassembled, but I've been thinking about him. Yeah, he seems really cool with some of that utility and trickery you could do. <laughs> yeah, he's just brilliant. I actually I played Daughters of Cain in round five um, uh, in, at the recent tournament. And I went up and I threw all his attacks at Marathi, did three damage. Um, Marathi charged him. I did three damage. And you know that killed him, but six damage by the by the end of turn. Um, sorry, I'd let Iron Blast for them to uh, the previous turn, so I'd done nine damage by the time Rathi became relevant, and then mm -hmm. finally charged the Stonehorn in to do the last three wounds, and then unstoppable charge into snakes. It was just he's just such a brilliant thing, and Rathi couldn't do anything about him because she couldn't see him because he was in cover. So had, and he was I, I placed him kind of away from anything relevant away from objectives away from my army um so it was kind of good in that way uh i, I use i i use um frost sabers in pretty much all of my lists i actually didn't have any knobbers in mine so that's another particularly a particularly uh fun uh utility unit units that you can't see so they have to come at you yeah no uh mm. and those those new um uh chameleon skinks are going to be the same way i think We'll but see. They're very expensive. Oh yes, well they, they've always been very expensive. Yeah, <laughs> both oh, the, both the models. in the cash wallet, the cash monies, and the <laughs> yeah, and the points. <laughs> to, to be so again, <laughs> amazing. Well, I, I I got that new Warcry box, and those models are beautiful. Um, man, are they a pain? The the little uh, what do you call them? The things that blow spit pipes? the poison. Yeah, blowpipes. Yeah, those are. Oh. I almost broke like five of them. Interesting oh. design choice and, and how to make that uh, no, it's painful just, and scared or simple thing. <laughs> no, it's just the 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 thin plastic, you know? Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. they are not even going to touch a dry brush. So 
<laughs> Sometimes you miss there. metal models. Sometimes you miss them. <laughs> there we go. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've come to a good place, and that might be uh, all the time we have for this episode. What do you guys think? I think so. Good. We talked a lot about ogres. I'm happy. Yeah. There we go. I yep, think it's a win all around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, hey, uh, Mick, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this podcast. And um, everyone check out Underworld Gaming if you're in the uh, Dublin area. Yeah, definitely. Thanks thanks so much. Thanks so much, Mick. No problem, guys. Anytime. Yeah. And uh, everyone else, uh, keep keep striking last. Yeah, Yeah. that 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 sounds. It sounds like a tagline. Yeah. Strike hard, (laughs) strike last. Is this like a Cobra Kai thing I'm stealing? I don't know. Something no, I don't know. When, when you when you strike last, you you. Uh, <laughs> it's because there's a thunder dust in front of you. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> we made it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the howitzers. The howitzers strike last. <laughs> yeah.